Welcome to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Every week, I host live chats via our YouTube channel with leaders in the AFL and high-performance industries. Join me live every Sunday at 6pm where I debrief for recent chats and announce the upcoming guests. We drop an inspiring and educational episode every Monday. If you like the show, please follow us on your favourite podcast app. Welcome back to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. My name is Jack McLean. I am the host, and in today's episode, I interview Jordan Seller. Jordy is an Australian Strength Conditioning Association Level 2 professional coach with experience in the AFL, AFLW, Sample, Institute of Sport, and long-term athletic development within the school setting. He is also our Adelaide-based Prepare Like a Pro coach. Highlights from this episode, being involved in the AFLW Premiership and a back-to-back Sample Premierships. We discuss the highs and all the things involved from a leadership point of view and culture point of view for success in team sport like the AFL. Mentors that have helped shape his career, both from a development point of view, but also for support. Why on-field conditioning is number one priority for football from a physical preparation point of view. What areas to focus on in the gym for AFL football and practical tips for strength and conditioning coaches wanting to work in elite sport. Before we start this episode, for those wanting to improve your 2K time trial, 20-meter sprint, and explosive power to gain a competitive edge this preseason, hire Jordy, our Adelaide-based strength conditioning coach. To find out more about our individualized coaching package and Jordy's profile, head to preparelikeapro.com, and you can join our email list to receive a free masterclass. Let's get into today's episode. Thanks for tuning in, Jordy, and joining us tonight on the podcast. Thanks for having me, mate. Um, really excited to be on board with Prepare Like a Pro and having a chat with you tonight. Yeah, we're super excited to have you on board and be represented in, in South Australia now. And for, for all the Adelaide listeners that do want to work with Geordie, make sure to email us at infopreparelikeapro.com. But we'll dive straight into the interview, mate. Take us through where you first discovered you had a passion for strength and conditioning. Cool. Um, in sort of to keep it reasonably brief, because I know a lot of a lot of people have a, a similar path into this industry. I, as a junior, I played a lot of a lot of basketball growing up. But um, you know, I'm probably five foot eight on a good day, and so I had to work out pretty early that uh, you know improving my speed and stamina and vertical jump and all those sorts of things uh, might be able to make up for a little bit of a lack of physical stature. And then as I got older, I got to have some experience through the State Institute system here in South Australia and then later some experience in, in football that showed me that there was a potential career path for people in that strength and conditioning space. Um, and I really got some value out of that and I enjoyed that side of things. So I then pursued that by jumping into the human movement degree that was at the time at UniSA when I finished high school. Yeah. And who were some strong influences and uh, mentors, if you like, uh, early on in your career and, and even up until today? Yeah. Uh, look, most of my time to this stage has been at the Adelaide Footy Club and I've been really lucky to work with some great practitioners and you know excellent people here. So um, Matt Hass hired me and gave me my first shot and backed me in to get started and I really appreciate you know, him giving me that chance. And I was able to work with Nathan Heaney, who you may come across as the conditioning consultant on Instagram these days. He puts out some really cool content uh, on that channel um, if coaches are interested. But the two that I really think of um, when it comes to like my close mentors would be Brad Newton and Jared Wallace. So Brad these days is at GWS. He's over in Sydney and uh, Wally's been the acting HPM here for the last um, 
few months and he's the sports science coordinator. And I was lucky enough to work with Brad shoulder to shoulder for three years uh, here in both the AFL and AFLW programs. Um, and I, just the generosity with his time and experience and the way that he shared that with me was really instrumental in my development as a coach. Um, and, you know, I often go back to a lot of the things that we spoke about and um, stuff that he taught me. And as for Jared, he's probably the reason I'm in this field. I uh, met him or approached him one day at a local footy training out at Flagstaff Hill where my mates and I played. He just so happened to be providing some pre-season S&C expertise, uh, whether it was for a mate or for some cash, I'm not sure. but um, Jared at the time was and still probably is the poster boy for uh, the sports science degree at UniSA. And you know, I'm sure he doesn't mind me saying that. So I knew who he was and I decided I'd, I'd get in touch. And um, you know, we were together there for maybe a night a week or two nights, a fortnight or something like that for a few months. And he en- en- ended up opening a pathway uh, to intern at the Adelaide Footy Club for me um, and then offered me sort of or allowed me to take on the Sandville Development Squad strength and conditioning stuff pretty early on. And, you know, six years later, I still call him a, a really close friend and mentor. Yeah, so it sounds like you were pretty clear early on while doing your degree, you wanted to work in elite sport. And uh, was that something that you discovered by being in, in high-performance programs as an athlete? Did you work with some SNCs then that you thought, yeah, this is something for me that I want to do? Or is it something that you discovered once you started getting internship at, at Adelaide? I got to experience a little bit of strength and conditioning through the South Australian Sports Institute here through my basketball uh, when I was younger. And then when I had, you know, I, I tried a little bit of footy out at West Adelaide instead of the, the Sandville Maccas Cup um, here in Adelaide at one stage as well. And in both of those environments, I sort of came across people that I now know they were probably, you know, students or um, people early in their career, but I just looked at them as people that worked in the gym and worked within strength and conditioning for a living. And I, I thought that was just really cool. So I probably dove into the sports science degree a little bit naive, um, thinking that that was where I was going to end up. And that's what I was going to do, uh, working in elite sport and high performance sport. Um, and, you know, fortunately, fortunately for me, that worked out um, through a little bit of a little bit of right place, right time and a lot of, you know, hard work and getting your hands dirty. Yeah, and and you mentioned that you that you made that connection with Jared. You're aware of um, connections and the work he had done. Some value there to to build that network for for the SNCs listening that are in that similar headspace, and then they might be they haven't got any work experience yet. Um, how did you go about making that connection? Like I say, there's an element of right place, right time about it. I was really fortunate that I came across him in that setting, just out of the local football training. But I think what you'll find with most people in this field is that you know, if you um, if you show a desire to get your hands dirty and learn and some curiosity, and uh, you don't mind, you know, lending a hand where it's required, and you you truly show a you know an interest in the craft and what's involved, most people will be pretty good at giving back to you. And I know that Jared certainly was that for me. So it was it was as simple as a conversation to say, look, I'm I'm probably more interested in what you do than playing B grade footy out here this year and so i didn't mind missing a session here or there through pre-season to to learn from him and he didn't mind somebody putting some cones out to mark the conditioning and um you know then like i said you show some curiosity and you show some interest and you ask the right questions and people start to give back where they can and you mentioned the passion for the strength side of things um and the opportunity to work in the sample so how did you um i can't imagine that they were either paid high rock like highly paid roles how did you 
the SCs listening in? How did you make? Yeah. Yeah, look, I, it probably opens a, a bigger conversation. Like the, the last 18 months, I had um, sort of the full, the full strength and conditioning coach early career experience. I think I, things were going really well here at Adelaide. I'd just recently taken on a more significant um, role after about sort of four or five years here. And then um, for the, you know, budding S&Cs or sports science students that are listening, uh, at the start of the, or yeah, sort of at the start of the COVID pandemic in April of last year, I was made redundant here at Adelaide. So um, I was, it felt like doing everything right. I'd made some really nice career progressions. And then pretty quickly, I was sitting at home, unemployed, locked in the house and relying on JobKeeper. Um, but through that time, I was sort of fortunate to slowly pick up some little bits and pieces. And honestly, at that time, because like you say, it's not particularly well paid. I was relying on the JobKeeper stuff a little bit, but I slowly picked up some work at St. Peter's College, uh, a little bit of stuff at SASE, and um, then most significantly for me, the work at Woodville West Irons. And it was just, I needed to start making an income again. Obviously, that's, that's important. But most importantly, I just felt like I was getting out and still applying my training, improving my skills. I had some things I had to do in the first years of my career here at Adelaide. I was actually getting out and seeing some different environments. I was working with school kids at St. Peter, working with golfers, and a little bit of you know, early work with cycling and hockey as a casual cover at Sassy. Um, and getting to you know, keep my hands steady in football out at Woodville West Irons, which was, which was awesome. Yeah. 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 Um... Billy made it was definitely a hard time. I was in the same position. Um, yeah. You pump time, you, you finally get your first contract in elite sport, which, which, like you said, did it work to get there and uh, having ripped away what wasn't easy. Um, but uh, like when we first chat on the phone, yeah. um, you could tell that you approached it the right way and now you're back in. So um, hats off to you, mate, for your approach. Yeah. See, we, on your development side of things, um, if we go back to your mentors and, and then the roles and how you went about those roles and making sure you worked for the club and you got and you grew more opportunities, obviously the club obviously like what you grew within the club to the point where you got to full time. Was it um, something that you did, you know, structurally? Like did you have a monthly catch up, a coffee catch up, or was it more something that was um, non structured and more something that you sort of just made it worked hard and yeah. It was probably it was probably a bit too fast paced in those first few years, to be honest. I landed at a time where the footy club was expanding with the introduction of the AFLW program, obviously, um, and so we had a like a really a really good team that I got to experience for the first couple of years of my time here in um, at, at Adelaide in the high performance department. But they needed to they needed to expand a little bit to the AFLW stuff. So I started here and did that internship in 2016. And like I said, I was the only intern and getting my hands on everything that I possibly could. And so things moved pretty fast that year. And then from the start of the next year, I was made full time with the men and had a part time role after hours with the women as well. Um, so you'd be arriving at sort of 6:30 in the morning and leaving at leaving it sort of closer to nine o'clock at night most days. And you just kind of got it done. You know, we'd sort of catch up and um, informally have some um, good discussion with those guys that I mentioned before with Matt and Nathan, Brad and uh, Wally. And um, it, yeah, I just, I guess the cool thing about those guys as mentors they did for me that I just really appreciate is they probably threw me responsibilities and roles before they could definitively say I was ready. But it just at that time it just needed to get done and it allowed me to kind of have that little bit of sink or swim thing which forced some 
growth. And um, yeah, it, it, I think that was the biggest thing for my development was I was able to see everything that I could possibly get my hands on with the men during the day. And then after hours with the girls, somebody would need to sort of get their hands dirty and actually take on some responsibility. And I was able to do that early on, which was really good. Yeah, that's awesome, mate. Those challenges, no doubt, that um, help you grow and, and shape your philosophy in your career. Um, if you were sort of talking to your younger self before you got that first crack, would there be any workshops or books or courses or activities that you wish you were equipped with before into that full-time life? Um, like I say, it was probably coming out of undergrad that that all sort of kicked off. So I probably some of this stuff would have gone over my head initially, but some of the stuff that I've just been able to sort of pluck and take away, a lot of my learning and experience so far has been peer-to-peer um, and experiencing a lot of the coaches that I've worked with. But I have taken a lot out of to, um, you know, some of the ASCA conferences, for example, that they put on. There's always terrific speakers there. So if you're currently studying at uni and trying to sort of find your way in this field, you can you know always get your level one and get involved to make sure that you sort of try and get across to those when they're when they're back on in person and you can sort of network and meet some really good people like i say a lot of my sort of um, learning has happened peer-to-peer and there's some good online resources out there as well if you know sort of who to who to look for i I know that i got a lot of value in my early years out of a couple of the altus courses that i sort of um make sure that i picked up and that sort of went into detail not just on you know the strength stuff which there's plenty of books about how to actually apply some of that strength to human movement and obviously in their case, um, you know, speed and track speed development and that kind of thing, which you can then relate to team sport in your own context. So I would say diving on the, the ASCA stuff and trying to get yourself involved in as many of those special interest groups in your city or the conference as you can um, and have a look at some online resources that touch on things you're interested in. And what do you think you would have done if, if elite sport didn't have the opportunities with elite sport uh, after your degree? What would it be other elite? If it wasn't AFL, sorry, would it be other elite sports? Or? Yeah, I'd say so. I think um, every every SNC at some stage probably wants to work with a stopwatch sport or something where you know it's objectively measured and you can see you know what influence some of your work has. And there's there's a desire to one day get involved in a space like that. But I think what ended up getting me into sport in the first place, and like I said before, in an alternate reality, it could have been through the video analysis work. It turned out that I'm a little bit more social and like to sort of be with the athletes or the other coaches on the gym floor. But what I really enjoy is just being part of a team. I loved it when I was playing sport as a kid and I love it as part of what I do for work now. Um, And I think the team sports stuff for now is sort of what I'm really interested in and I would have potentially found a way, maybe it would have been through video analysis or something like that to sort of keep pursuing that area. Um, and, you know, that's, that's sort of what I'm enjoying at the moment. Yeah. And over your career so far, what, what have been some of your highlights, moments that you look back on and look special? I just, I had a, um, a, bit of a, a bit of time maybe two weeks ago to reflect after... Woodville West Torrens won their second flag. So after obviously the the COVID cuts, I ended up out at Woodville West Torrens here in the Sandful, and that was um, just an incredible blessing for me. Jade Sheedy, the senior coach out there, and their footy staff, Matty Goldsworthy, and that whole playing group was just brilliant for me for the last uh, two years. And fortunately, they're a 
really hardworking, really talented group with excellent leadership. And we were able to win a couple of premierships back to back last year and this year, which was really enjoyable. And um, so, you know, out there, I obviously, like I mentioned before, coming off that really challenging sort of 18 months, it was a bit of a pinch yourself moment sitting out there um, a couple of weeks ago on Sunday after the boys had, you know, had that really good win and we were celebrating and it was it was the third premiership I'd been able to celebrate out on Adelaide Oval. We had the, the AFLW flag in 2019 as well, which was just awesome. And it's probably still a career highlight of mine to see the girls fill that stadium with 54,000 fans or whatever it was after, like I said, filming local footy games in 2016 out at Salisbury and Adelaide Uni. It, um, to see how far they'd come and to get to enjoy that with them was really cool. Um, and obviously, the first half for W flag was really special as well. Um, that first year, so those four premierships are the things that you know. When I probably look back one day, I'll realise how special they were and how much fun it is to be part of a good team. Yeah, and you mentioned leadership um, for the developing footballers listening in that um, are leaders and, and leadership. What are some strong things to focus on? What do you see in leaders that are being part of premierships? What are the dreams? Look, from a leader's perspective, um, they buy into the message that is coming from the coach and from the staff and they press upon the rest of their players the importance of all being on the same page and living up to the values because every footy club will do it these days. They'll write their values down on a wall or they'll talk about what their team behaviours are and things like that. But the leaders live it and breathe it to the point where you don't need to see it written on a wall to know what that footy club should be about. Um, and probably the other thing that I would say to you know the aspiring and the growing footballers in that space as well is if you're at the point where you're, you're not a leader, maybe you're a young player on a team or um, you know, you're sort of new wherever you may be, uh, buying into that and you know when it, when it suits you and when it doesn't and understanding that everybody's on the same path and the team success is your success and just tipping in and buying into the, you know, sort of the culture and the values of the footy club and the team that you're a part of um, goes a long way towards driving collective success. And that's, that's what everybody does it for. And if you do that, the individual stuff sort of rolls off the back of it. Yeah. Yeah. And after seeing four premierships, do you, can you get a bit of a sense in pre-season that you could be on, onto a premiership year or is it not until August when you start to... No, you do because I think like the, the footy stuff, maybe, you know, maybe the footy stuff you get the sense once you actually sort of get into the, the middle of the year. Um, but like I say, that, that buying to the direction of the footy club, the buying to the direction of the coaching staff and um, the intensity and the intent to work and improve from everybody from your best player to the last man on the list, that's, that's obvious pretty early on. Yep. Um, and I just think, from my experience anyway, there's, there's no substitute to intensity and desire to work and improve on the field from session one of preseason and you know, right the way through the year. And if you see that early on, um, you know, that's probably a pretty good indicator that then whether the group is talented enough, whether the you know, cards sort of fall in your favor, that, that remains to be seen. But at least you know you've got a pretty special group that's willing to put in and do the work. And if they have the opportunity, they'll give themselves a chance. Hey guys, Paul Curtis here from the West Jets Football Club. And um, this year I was fortunate enough to get help from Prepare uh, Like a Pro, uh, helping me prepare uh, for the draft combine. Um, my normal week would consist of, or seeing as uh, I was trying to improve my 2K, would consist of um, endurance days, um, 
I have a feel good day where uh, I try and work on my running technique and just feel comfortable in running. Um, have my speed days. Um, I have some injury prevention exercises, um, lower body sessions and upper body sessions. Um, what I enjoyed most about the program um, was how Jack was quite invested in me. Um, always checking up on me, giving me feedback. Um, we looked at my diet. Um, so the stuff off the field, so hydration, sleep, uh, motivation levels and all that. So yeah, highly recommend and yeah, I um, enjoyed the uh, journey. And when you're preparing a team for the pre-season for a, for a, for a successful year, um, what are sort of your key pillars of the prevention? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. No, it, I, I guess, again, it, it changes slightly depending on context. So I'm sure this answer would be different if I was talking about my time with the AFL men's program here at Adelaide, where you've obviously got infinite resources and full-time athletes and all of those sorts of things. Out to Woodville, West Torrens, where you know, we're sort of battling away for facilities and obviously the girls here are part-time and therefore contracted as such. We don't have as much time as potentially you feel like you need sometimes. But for me, it just comes down to be really, really clear within your context about what is important and what you truly believe is going to be a difference maker to your performance, um, whether that's, you know, sort of KPIs in the gym or things you're looking for on the field and you know that might come in collaboration with your coach and the coaching staff and things that they want to see and what's important to them and then targeting everything towards that and stripping away the stuff that's superfluous or sort of doesn't um, doesn't address those needs because we've all seen heaps of cool strength and conditioning programming and so many different things you want to put into your program but particularly i think my time with semi-elite programs um, has taught me that you just got to do the things that are really important first and foremost. And, um, you know, anything that you get to do on top of that is, I guess, gravy. So yep. for me, on-field intensity and on-field training intensity, I think is the main thing that you need to hit. You want to see as much of your group getting as much good quality on-field training as you possibly can. And particularly in, in a field sport like footy, you know, the strength stuff. And for some guys, strength and power will be their one wood and you sort of work that out and work towards that with them. But for the most part, the strength stuff is there to supplement the on-field work and there's there's no real substitute for that. Yeah, okay. So let's dive into that a little bit more. So for the footballers listening in or even developing S&Cs, um, why, why is the on-field performance and intensity the number one focus to some other? Well, like the strength stuff, obviously... Um, people say that speed kills and that your ability to sort of absorb and um, deliver contact and that kind of thing is sort of the moments that breaks the game, which I think is self-evident. I think we all know that we need to be strong and powerful in collision and contact sports, particularly like um, like football. But ultimately, the, depending on the season and the competition that you're playing, and from anywhere from sort of 12 to 24 times a year, you've got to go out there and run fast, change direction, um, cover ground. And you'll hear coaches talk about it all the time, the ability to spread and cover off on defense and all those sorts of things are what makes a difference to the team and to the team's performance. And if you want to do that and you want to do that at a really, really high level for your team and then be able to back it up every week and have the resilience to back it up at that level every week, you need to train for that. You need to expose yourself to scenarios that build your resilience within those sort of high, high speed, high change of direction load, Axel and Decel, all that stuff that we sort of measure. You need to expose yourself to a lot of that through preseason to make sure that you're ready to do it 
week in, week out through the season. And then what does that mean for this time of year? So, in October, uh, for the podcast world, they might be listening to but for yep. October at the moment, what, what would be some important things for football at this time of year? At this time of year, if you're, if you're just getting underway, so I'd imagine a lot of footballers have probably taken the last few weeks off, depending on you know how far their team went in finals, maybe you're sort of underway. But let's say you're, you're just sort of getting yourself started again. Initially, just, you know, as we always say, build your on-field loads responsibly and make sure that you sort of slowly increase the amount that you're running each session and slowly expose yourself to a little bit more high speed and change of direction. But as you get your feet under you, um, hopefully, you know, you can sort of jump onto a resource like Prepare Like a Pro and have all of this provided to you. But um, if, if you don't at this point in time, just make sure that once you've got your legs under you and you've built your loads responsibly, you uh, changing direction with the intensity that you would at a high intensity moment of a game and that you're exposing yourself to enough sprinting that you feel like you've, um, you've covered as much ground running fast as you would in a game, perhaps, perhaps even more and put yourself in the, the shoes of the worst case scenario you can think of in a game where you have to transition fast and then change direction and then do it all again uh, and try and replicate that on the field. And sometimes you've got to get a little bit creative and that's why there's, you know, there's resources like what you're providing at the moment, Jack, is to give people the tools to do those sorts of things. Um, but yeah, just make sure that you're exposing yourself to a lot of high speed and you put the boots on and you change direction with some intensity as well. Yeah, and that will help the athlete transition back into this program. Um, Absolutely. Like, like a lot of, um, for those of you who probably happening, it generally will have a bit of a triple effect from the top all the way through all levels. Um, at the moment, there's a real focus on getting the loads of playing the game yep. as possible, as early as possible this season. So, um, the, the training intensity, like you're saying, is, is a lot higher when you are doing that chaotic type gameplay. Um, You've mentioned the on-field performance and how that's number one. If we move on to the gym side of things, for those that are maybe following what their brother does or they're following what their sister does because they're a bit older, um, how should a footballer be doing uh, their weight session? What, what are some superiors in, in the strength room? Uh, yeah. Well, so what we've just already covered is that we know that with football, you're going to be you're going to be running a lot, you're going to be running fast a lot, and you're going to be changing direction a lot. So. Um, to firstly cover off on that stuff, you need to make sure you've got really strong uh, hips, glutes, and hamstrings, basically. So you'll notice a lot of footballers' programs and uh, sort of they've got a lot of what we call posterior chain work. So sort of everything from your, your heels up to your glutes, and that includes obviously your calves and your hamstrings and everything in there. Uh, and it needs to be trained in a way that you're sort of um, making sure that you're protecting yourself and preparing yourself for that sort of volume of high-speed running. Uh, then what we want to do is make sure that you get really nice and strong so that you're prepared to not just tolerate that amount of change of direction, but really um, thrive in those environments and sort of use your, use your change of direction ability to break games open. So then we'll work on getting strong. You'll, you'll obviously sort of notice a lot of um, squat patterns and um, some jump and power-based variations and those sorts of things. So uh, to tolerate the high-speed running load, make sure you get strong through your hamstrings and glutes and hips and then to make sure that you can sort of change direction quickly and um, break games open that way. You just want to get your strong through your lower body and core. There'll be a lot of that sort of work. Awesome. So if you're listening to this podcast and you like what Jordy's saying, you want to work with uh, he is a prepare like a pro coach in like Adelaide Forest, so in Adelaide and strength work, make sure you email us at info at the 
or alternatively, he is also taking on athletes or coaches from the countries. Not in Adelaide, but you still want to work with Geordie. It's the same with Zoom and the program's the same. In Zoom setting, it's not a Zoom workout, which is done in the industry. It's actually more a consultation around your lifestyle and what the training program looks like and, and discussing that with Geordie so you've got that contact. It's clear. Uh, thanks, mate. Thanks for, for sharing that and um, we put it together nice and clear and for the athletes to understand, but also for developing S&Cs that may have not worked in the sport before. Uh, it is pretty different to um, things you might be exposed to when you're doing of CrossFit. Integrating it with the skills program in the sport is an art form, and um, you talked about it really well there. And, and um, yeah, thanks, thanks for sharing your philosophy. We'll, we'll move into the uh, personal side of the podcast. This is a lighter part of the segment, mate, for our uh, cool. Patreon members. So the first one is what? which movie or TV series has impacted you the most and why? Yeah. It's funny that you said impacted, not not favorite, because it used to be, it definitely used to be a favorite and it still is in my heart, but um, definitely impacted the most. So I loved Coach Carter when I was growing up as a kid, yeah. you know, the Samuel L. Jackson movie about the Richmond Oilers. Yep. Um, as a basketballer growing up, I would have watched that, you know, countless times. And it probably does have something to do with what I'm doing these days because I remember as a... I don't even know how old I was, but you'd watch, you know, the montage of when Ken Carter comes in to get some training and you get all fizzed up to go out and work hard and work up a sweat and train and practice. And, um, yeah, it was probably actually a little bit of a catalyst for what I do, but also it was just a cool basketball movie and I loved it when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. So you like to get G'd up and pumped up in the weights room and in the field. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, favorite inspirational quote or life motto? Um, look, I, this is a tricky one. I don't, I don't have too many um, sort of quotes and, and mottos that I stick to. Yep. Uh, if, my, if my family tuned in and they were listening, they'd tell you that I'll often say uh, everything works out for me. And although that's a bit, you know, tongue in cheek and whatever, it's probably, it probably sort of speaks to the idea that you, you know, you want to have a positive mental attitude towards everything that you go into and whether you're sort of going through a, you know, good time or bad, um, you can sort of, if you have a, like I say, a positive outlook on things, it'll often sort of turn out your way. Yeah, love that. Domestic. Uh, in your work life, what makes you angry? What are your, what are your pet peeves? These, this, is, this is easy. Uh, an untidy gym and that whether that's, you know, whether that's working with professional footballers or somebody not re-racking their weights at the local uh, good life, that's, ter- that's frustrating. The other one is uh, cones not in alignment. If you're lucky enough to be working somewhere with striped grass and you know well mown and maintained turf, there is no excuse for skew with cones and cones to be out of alignment. It drives me insane. Uh, and probably the last one, which is a little bit unfair because I know that I'm good at it and not everybody is, but um, unneat handwriting on a whiteboard drives me a little bit crazy too. Yeah, I drive you mad, mate. I don't go back. <laughs> Let alone the whiteboard. <laughs> I'd, ta- I'd, ta- I'd take the pen away. I'd just tell you, uh, tell me what you want me to write. Yeah, I'd have to Lee Hamble for that video, mate. That's uh, good. Well, these ones are, are, well, for in Adelaide, it'd be relatively COVID free anyway, but both these two questions are COVID free worlds. So, what's your favorite? Okay. Spend your day off. Um, I'm reasonably social and I work a job that sort of keeps me busy on weekends and stuff like that. So honestly, if I get a chance, the favorite thing I'd like to do is spend a day with uh, my wife and my friends. I've got a really, really good group of friends and strong group of mates that I used to play footy with. And if I get the chance to do that, I'll do it whenever I can. 
um, if it's just me, I'd, I'd love to have a hit of golf. I've got a lot of work to do, but uh, if I get the chance to go out and play, you know, that might be the way I'd kill some time if it was, if it was just me. Um, and, you know, with my wife sort of been busy working, me doing what I do, we don't get too much time to spend together either. So if we had a, a day off, maybe just sitting down at a winery somewhere or something, we live in sort of the wine region here of Adelaide and yeah. um, I love doing that kind of thing. Yeah, nice. And then favorite holiday destination and why? Desti- so if if it was favorite holiday uh, destination in general, I've got some core cool memories of a trip to Europe. But I think if if you could only pick one place in general to go for the rest of um, the rest of my holidays, it'd be to the snow and somewhere where I can snowboard. I'm again similar to the golf. I'm not really good at it, but it's just something that I'm interested in that completely takes my mind off everything else. And I love doing it. Um, my wife's really good at it, so I just sort of chase her around the mountain and you know the, the mates that I've got that sort of do it as well. I'd, I'd love to get out sometime in a COVID-free world and get up, um, you know, whether it's to sort of here in Victoria or we had some plans to go on a honeymoon and ski in Japan uh, or snowboard in Japan at some stage and I'd love to do that uh, one day as well. Yeah, hopefully soon. Absolutely. Um, well, what's on for the rest of the year, mate? What's on the horizon for you? Uh, this year... Girls' pre-season from now on takes up most of my time, um, getting them ready for round one, which is hopefully hopefully very early in the new year. Uh, and also around about that same time, somewhere around round one or two, uh, my son is due, my first child with my wife is due to be born. So getting, a, getting an AFLW team prepped for um, an AFLW season and getting myself prepped for fatherhood, that's kind of what the rest of the year looks like. Yeah, massive, huge things on the horizon. Wow, it's exciting. Mate. Yeah. And how's, yeah. How's, the, how's your partner going? How, how are you going with it all? Is a significant change for you guys? Oh, mate, it's easy for me. <laughs> at, this stage, at this stage, it's been really easy for me. Um, but no, she's, she's going really well. She's handling everything with, um, you know, the sort of grace and confidence that I've always seen in her and she's really excited and she seems like she's got a way better handle on what it looks like than me. Uh, but that's, you know, I guess that's sort of with most things with us. Um, so no, she's, she's going really well. She's excited and we're just sort of looking forward to the next stage now, I think. Yeah. Is what, what an athlete the, the baby boy's going to be with a, uh, a <laughs> and, and a basketballer and uh, SEC coach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll put a, we'll put a bit of time into it. Yeah, and and the the girls they're like pros. So, um, what's the feeling at the club? How's the preparation going? And, and take us. Uh, yeah. Oh, excellent, excellent. I, I I've always really loved working with this group, and there's a lot of a lot of them that are still here from my first few years uh, up until 2019, and there's some you know really good new ones as well that are both talented and add a lot from a cultural and um, environment perspective, which is really nice to see. It's the AFLWs at that stage now, we're constantly getting this influx every every draft of two or three new sort of 18-year-olds that are just young and full of energy and ready to um, ready to get into an environment like this and start making their mark. And you know, the group the group made the grand final and didn't get the result that they wanted at the end of last season, but they had a, a really good year and they've got the same sort of bones this year and excellent coaching and leadership. And um, I think everybody's just really excited to put the last six or 12 months of COVID and everything else behind us and get out there and play games and play footy. I think that's going to be fun. Yeah, absolutely. And 
for, for someone that's worked in the top level with both both AFL and AFL, what are the major differing reactions? Well, once I think once you establish a baseline level of um, training and training age for the sport as well as stuff in the gym, it's probably not too different. I mean, you can talk about the gender differences associated with training and the difference in the movement output from female to, to male footy. But realistically, the, the game is really similar. And like I said before, you still got to run fast a lot and change direction while you're doing it and train and prepare for that. I think what we probably found in the first few years of the AFLW is you just had this um, crazy mix of girls that had played 10 years of park footy out at Morfordville Park. Uh, and then the rest of your list was made up with professional sports women, Olympians from you know other walks of life, and it was this really eclectic mix of people with different backgrounds and experience, and that was that was awesome, and it was what the competition needed to get off the ground. And um, what we're probably seeing now is a little bit more similar to what you would get with the men's program, where you're getting girls come through it, like I said before, eighteen with the talent to end up in the competition. They get drafted, having been through the pathways. Once you get them in the door, they've they've got the skills and they they know the game. But you've just got to sort of build resilience and the capacity that they need to compete at this level. So, same as uh, like I said, same as male football and same as football everywhere. You've got to be ready to run fast, change direction, do it a lot, and do it for week after week for a whole season. Yeah, yeah, amazing, amazing. It's um. Awesome to hear that you're working with them. Like, what an asset. You've got a great understanding of semi professional sport, but then also you've seen them being involved in the AFL. Good sense to know where, they, where they're going because I know that the sport is incredibly fast year after development and professionalism. And both and get a good sense, I imagine, of how to, what's realistic. And, and like you said earlier, um, what are the key big rocks, so to speak, to focus on what I think aren't as relevant. Uh, it's exciting, mate. And like you said, they made the grand final, so we could uh, get to the, the whole. Five grand finals, mate. How, how- oh, let's yeah, we'll, we'll uh, 25, 25 oh, at the moment. But yeah. we'll um, we'll cross, we'll, yeah, we'll cross that um, we'll cross that bridge in um, you know six months time. There's a lot there's a lot to happen between now and then, and I'm sure everybody is feeling just a bit uh, just as good about themselves at this stage all around the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and um, we'll, we'll start wrapping up, mate. But thank you so much for your time. Are there any sort of parting words you want to say before I outro for the podcast? Now, just that, you know, I'm, ex- I'm really excited to be on board. I think what you're providing here is an awesome resource for footballers um, to access and get what they need to take their game to the next level and to, um, to grow in their performance and sort of take responsibility for their own ability to improve. So if you're listening, if you come across this, if you get sent it, if you're a footballer anywhere around the country, jump on to Prepare Like a Pro and... Um, you know, utilize the resources here for you because it can make a massive difference in the way that you perform and play. No, I appreciate it, mate. And uh, we're definitely lucky to have yourself as part of the team. And for anyone listening that does want to work with Geordie Luckham in the podcast, make sure to hit us up at info.propellerthepro.com. The questionnaire that we need to fill out first, which is just a medical-based, uh, goal-based, and how you play. And Geordie has that in the program. So to get started there, email us. Uh, our podcast listeners are definitely our favourite athletes to work with. So you'll skip the queue if you add in podcast in the subject heading. And uh, we're really looking forward to it. Thanks again, Geordie. Really appreciate your time, mate. Thank you very much, Jack. It's been great. Thanks for tuning in, guys. If you enjoyed this episode and want even more, our academy is for you. The Prepare Like a Pro Academy is a platform that hosts exclusive features and bonus content, such as Q&A segment, 
aimed at getting to know the guests on a more personal level. Here's an example with Emily Meehan, head sports dietitian at Collingwood Football Club. What are things that, that fire you up? Oh, this one is always, uh, so I suppose it is, um, it'll be topical for most people, I think, but staying in your lane. And I yep. often find that with nutrition, everyone eats, so everyone has an opinion. And I think that's what really gets me fired up um, because so many people try and provide nutrition advice based on their end of one experience when they did intermittent fasting or keto or whatever it might be. And then game changes, like yeah, game changes whatever that might be. And look, it probably keeps me in a job, but that it does drive me insane because yeah. sometimes the information can be so detrimental um, and opposite to what I've been working with my athlete or athletes and, you know, and because they hear it on someone's socials or through a documentary, it unravels everything that I've been working with an athlete for. Yeah, yeah. Another feature of our academy is the opportunity each week to join myself as co-host on the Prepare Like a Pro live chat show. Here's an example with Academy member Rama Davies, the strength conditioning coach at the Box Hill Hawks. Welcome, Rama, to the chat. Uh, Rama has also worked at, at Box Hill, or currently he's working at Box Hill Hawks with us. Awesome. So he's another Box Hill man uh, in the strength and conditioning department. So I'll handle it over to you, Rama, to, to ask you a question, mate. Thanks for joining us. Excellent. Thanks, Jack. And yeah, thanks, um, thanks Sam, for the chat. It was uh, I found it to be really insightful, plenty of gems in there. Um, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, mate, my, my question to you was you spoke a, a, quite a bit about um, perspective during that chat, um, and I was wondering what are some of the things that you either know or um, do physically that um, you wish you either knew or did um, back at the beginning of your career? Uh, what are some of those things? Mm. Yeah, good question. Um, yeah, so I suppose with perspective on life, um, that sort of point, um, it yeah certainly yeah has been massive for me now, and and didn't probably have that as much um, when I was younger. Um, I suppose one thing I might mention is is gratitude. I spend a lot of my mm. time um, doing a lot of gratitude exercises, listening to podcasts doing a, a journal every day just to be to say what I'm grateful for sort of three things and um, that's a fantastic way that I've been able to yeah like reset and and just kind of gain that gratitude and perspective about you know that there is more to life than football or you know it might be whatever as an SNC coach you know if something's you having a hard time um, it can be massive with just yeah opening your eyes a little bit and losing that sort of tunnel vision or being stuck in that in that work bubble um, yeah. so that's that's been huge. Um, I think I wish back then when I was younger, I asked more questions and was a bit more open to different things. Mm -hmm. I think I was a bit single-minded back then and, um, you know, I thought there was one way of doing things and, um, if I kind of didn't have that fear of, you know, asking a silly question or fear of judgment, it would have got me a lot further and I probably would have learned a lot quicker. Um, and yeah. and yeah, like just yeah, being open to sort of different things because um, you never know what you might find. It's just yeah, there's so many people, like great people out there, knowledgeable people to learn off. And there's plenty more where that came from. 
If you would like to learn more, then enter patreon.com forward slash prepare like a pro or head to the link in our show notes. Thank you for listening to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. If you like this episode, it'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, give a review, or even share with your mates. The show is recorded in Melbourne, Australia. Be sure to follow our Instagram page for all updates on our latest and greatest. If you would like to get in touch to suggest a guest or advertise with the Prepare Like a Pro podcast, please email me at jack at preparelikeapro.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.